Hi, guys. Welcome to the X Factor Racing, our very first podcast. With us today, we have some phenomenal ladies. We're going to introduce ourselves, tell you what the podcast is going to be about, talk horses and racing, and uh, give you all this great stuff from the perspective of women in horse racing. So, which of you wonderful people would like to introduce yourselves first? Sarah, you want to take it away? Oh, I, I love Sherry. I was going to go, but I'll, I, I can go instead. Um, hi, I'm Mary. Uh, I am kind of new to horse racing. I grew up outside of Saratoga, but I really got into it over the last year or so, um, especially during the pandemic when there was basically nothing else to do besides bet on horses. Um, I've written in uh, Horse Racing Nation. I did a profile piece a couple of months ago. Uh, I'd really love to get into more writing um, and content and stuff and that. And I'm just happy to be with these wonderful ladies and embark on this new adventure. My name is uh, Sherry Ruddock and I am a handicapper for about 15 years now. Uh, maybe a little bit more, but that would give away too much of my age. So I'm going to just stick with that. I uh, reside in Toronto, Canada. So I am the Canadian content of the group and I predominantly uh, deal with Woodbine. I am on their handicapping page. However, I have been handicapping all over North America and I'm looking forward to uh, getting to know these ladies much better and I think it's a great platform where we can all have discussions from different perspectives and we can each learn about uh, other people's feelings towards horse racing and what they can bring to the table. Awesome. Uh, my name is Ancora Imparo on Twitter. Uh, I'm called the Mad Fat Teacher. Uh, so I got into horse racing about two years ago uh, at the start of the pandemic. I think Mary mentioned that as well. And uh, just wanted to basically be able to converse with a friend of mine about uh, a sport that he loved dearly. And in the process of learning about the sport, just so I could have discussions, I ended up falling in love with it. Uh, and like Mary, um, I also sought out opportunities to help me learn a little bit more. Uh, I've had some amazing mentors thus far in horse racing. Uh, the Daily Gallop has been so instrumental and helped me with resources and things that I need. Benny South Street, Gorgonzola, all these people just kind of, you know, whisper in my ear and give me tips and things. And it's been just such an amazing experience. And meeting you ladies uh, through the contest that we play in. Aqueduct did not do terrible things to me last weekend. I actually had a, a very successful weekend at Aqueduct. So, uh, but I'm hoping to immerse myself more in horse racing so that I can learn more. So. I yeah. think there's a wonderful um, point that you touched on there about how many people have been influential for you over a short period of time. And I think that that's something that um, social media has been really great for is connecting people. And we all have these great stories to tell. And this is going to kind of give us a platform on how we can share who we are and we can grow the sport together and uh, whatever whatever field we're in, whether it's photography, handicapping, backstretch, training, whatever. There's so many, there's so many different avenues that I think we can touch on. And um, I think it's important that people have a space where they can discuss them. Totally agree. And the idea that, you know, something I didn't realize I was a feminist until I got into horse racing. And 
you know, that what I mean by that is just essentially everywhere I turn, there are men, you know, and, and it's the most, uh, amazing gentlemen, you know, uh, have been very helpful and everything like that, but it's been a bit harder to find women to discuss horsing, horse racing with. So the idea of, of having a podcast like this, I think is just going to do uh, so much for women in horse racing and hopefully give them a place where they feel comfortable when they come and listen and eventually watch. I do, Sherry, so when I got into horse racing, I decided I'm just going to post everything on Twitter and people will give me feedback or criticism, whether it's you know helpful or whatever, I'll figure that out as it comes in. And I posted a PP that I had annotated and thought I had annotated correctly. And then I get a, I think it was a DM from Benny South Street. And the DM just says, you annotated that incorrectly. You don't understand necessarily what you're reading. I had to go back and, and you know, handicap the entire card all over again. But it was so helpful just to have somebody reach out and say, hey, you're not doing that right. You may want to go back and look at that again. That doesn't mean what you think it means. So, right. And something like that is very constructive, too. It wasn't necessarily calling someone out. They explained how to do it correctly. And uh, touching on your point of, of women in racing, it's so important to see the growth of women in this industry. And Sherry and I have spoken about this, you know, off, online briefly about uh, the National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame in Saratoga had uh, an exhibit for women in racing and Sherry, you can probably touch on this more and how you brought your daughter there and, and what that impact was like for you and her to see that. Well, to, to, to circle back a bit on it, when I first got into racing, there wasn't very many females around at all. And I think for me, a big part of the reason why I, I want to do this podcast, because it is a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I, I think it's important that there's a lot of different voices be heard because when I first got into it, there, there wasn't anybody that I could really talk to. And there was a lot of judgments that came my way because it was perceived in such a different, different viewpoint than what I saw. So I really struggled with that. And I really struggled to find how I could communicate with people and, and learn. And there wasn't really a lot. Now, granted, social media wasn't around back then. So I, I read a lot of books and, and I just kind of immersed myself in it, but it was very lonely. And I don't, I don't want other women or young ladies out there to feel lonely for liking something. And I want them, if this is their passion and if this is something that they believe in, I want them to know that there's a place that they can go and, and talk to people about it and learn and not feel intimidated, not feel bad, not feel like they're doing something wrong. And so with my daughter, I've always brought her to the racetrack and I've introduced her to people. I've taken her to the backstretch. I've taken her to Saratoga with me. I've taken her to Arlington. I've, I've taken her all over the place so that she could really see it through her eyes, not just me telling her. I wanted her to see it through her eyes and be able to form her own opinion. And when we went to Saratoga, they did have the women in racing exhibit. And it was fantastic because she could, she could associate with it and she could actually... You know, she could understand that there is that there is so much more history there than what we're really privy to knowing. So I, it was really great. And we wrote a little notes and we stuck it up on the board. And, you know, for me, that was like a very fulfilling experience. And she can make whatever 
uh, you know, career path she wants, but I know that I have given her a very different viewpoint than what was given to me when I entered into it. So, you know, I, I think that's really important for younger women these days that, you know what, you have a voice. If you want to do it, you follow it. You don't have to listen to what everybody tells you. You know, you just have to kind of forge your own path. Mm-hmm. Mary, what, you know, I think you and I, you mentioned you're fairly new to the sport. Uh, like I am, how is your treatment? What have you experienced since you've come in to horse racing? So I guess I've been around horse racing for a long time since while I was in the womb, I guess, Um, because my mother and grandmother were so, you know, enthralled in the sport. But it wasn't until the pandemic, I was actually quarantining with my mother um, because we went up to upstate New York. Uh, My parents live in Florida, but um, we went to upstate New York just to see family and stuff in the most COVID safe environment during the pandemic in that summer of 2020. And we had to quarantine for 14 days. And what else is there to do besides throw in the races and, uh, and bet on some horses through TV, um, which is what we did uh, the entire 14 days. Um, and I have to say that I didn't experience any like weird treatment or anything in that nature at the track physically. Um, it was when I was kind of experiencing that that lonely type of feeling that I have no one else to talk to about this, as Sherry was describing. Um, and I went to Reddit as one of the first places to look. There didn't seem to be as much there as I was expecting, but I did see links to a Discord server. So I joined that and uh, still I kind of felt a little left out uh, here and there. Um And I was so lucky to meet people on Twitter and horse racing Twitter, because I feel like there's such a strong community there um, to talk to. And, you know, every so often you get a couple of bad eggs and, you know, they don't necessarily respect women or they, uh, they kind of objectify women, but, you know, just look for the better people out there and, and that you can learn from too. And I think learning is a huge factor of this. Um, whole process of learning a new sport, like you were saying with your friend, Benny. And we all yeah. learn in different ways too, right? For you sure. Yeah. I find it interesting listening to what the photographers see because they see things that I would never see. You know what I mean? I'm handicapping two, three days prior to the race. I'm not really looking as the race is, you know what I mean? Like t- five minutes before the race sometimes. So for me, I kind of have a different set of criteria than somebody that is doing is actually on site and doing photography and then puts those mental notes into their into their process for when they're handicapping the next race. Oh, yeah, I remember when I saw that horse at Tampa Bay. And then, you know, so to me, I find that really fascinating because I've never focused physically on a how how a horse looks. So I, I think that's one of the most important things that I think we can actually do as a group is really learn from each other about how the different processes each of us has, because it really is an individual thing. Absolutely. And if any one of the ladies involved in this podcast has the time and the energy to teach me pace, I would be more than open to learning (laughs) that because as it is right now, I think it was Gorgo who told me first. And if you don't know who Gorgo is uh, out in the audience, it's at Gorgonzola. I can't remember the number at the end. It might be 44. Uh, Orgo was the first to tell me, but then at Benny South Street was the second to tell me unequivocally that I needed to go back and relearn math, all of it. 
So when it comes to the math part of handicapping, that's a real struggle for me. I often have to ask people, hey, what does this mean? How does this, you know, get translated to speed, et cetera? For me, it was all about the words. And, and visually, uh, working with Benny South Street at TripNote Pros has been invaluable because when he sees a video that has some kind of interesting aspect in it, he'll send me the clip and I'll get like a homework assignment that says something like, tell me what you see. And the first time he did that, I texted him back, I swear to God. And I said, well, the horse didn't look happy this. I don't know. I'm not sure. The ears were kind of, and he goes, no, there was a goose on the track. You didn't see the goose? And I was like, what? I'm looking at the replays over here. So he doesn't tease me like that anymore. But it's been, you know, I, I think I'm leaning toward replays. The deeper I get into horse racing, I, I am relying more on replays. So it's been valuable. You know? I, I think, too, like just having dialogues with people because everybody sees things unfold so differently. I could see one thing, Mary could see something else and, and, and Corey, you could see something completely different. So I, I like having the dialogue and the discussion, but again, you have to find those people you feel comfortable with having that discussion. Absolutely. And I think that is again, in the first place, why we're, we're kind of creating this is so that we have a space where we can have this dialogue and yeah. ask questions that maybe, you know what, some people wouldn't want to answer for us. For sure. We'll have to get uh, Mary to bring her group of nerds into the fold <laughs> and join so that we can show them. They're going to love, love, love that they got a little shout out here. I, I told them about last week when we were doing our run through and, and they were very excited that they might get a little shout out for one of them coming to Suffolk Downs with me. Um, Mary nerds. Uh, I'm going to bring them to Saratoga this summer, whether they like it or not. They will be, they will be at Saratoga one of these weekends. There you go, Mary, growing the game, right? We have to, we have to. Growing the game. Sherry, you have a huge weekend ahead of you, right? Doesn't Woodbine open this weekend? Yes, Woodbine is opening for the first time since the pandemic started on time. So there is definitely a lot of excitement, uh, around because it's been it's been a very tough couple years for us um the first year in the pandemic we got shut down abruptly and they they ended the season didn't get to finish out and then last year they didn't get started until july so it's it's been a very rough few years for all of the all of the people and i think that you know even though we are still in 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 this pandemic it's just it's a it's a light at the end of the tunnel and I think there's there's just I think there's just so much positivity going into it, and um, I'm so excited because losing those couple months just mean heartache for people. You know, it's a tough game as it is, and you know, with Woodbine, we're we're obviously open the longest in Canada. Like our season is April to December, so and when when you're starting in July, you're already so far back as to where you need to be. And once again, they pushed our Queen's Plate. Our Queen's Plate is in August. And, you know, it's, um, it allows, if we can start on time, it allows the, the local people to get their horses prepared for it. It's not such a push to get there. So it's, uh, the weather doesn't look like it's going to cooperate. It's probably going to be like Keeneland's <laughs> opening day. But you know what? It doesn't matter. The fact is that it's opening on time and it's going to be an absolutely wonderful day. Um, I, I, 
have to say that the people at Woodbine have treated Sienna and I very, very well. A lot of times they have Sienna pick a race for them. There's been a few uh, podcasts I've been on that have asked Sienna to actually pick the winner, and she has. <laughs> so, you know, going back to them, they've been very, they've been very um, instrumental in helping me get to where I am and being very open to me, asking questions and and learning a whole different side of the game that I didn't know prior to me getting here. So I'm looking forward to reconnecting with people and actually being able to have that racing experience that we haven't really been able to have over the last couple of years. You know, so. Sherry, as, as the la- over the last couple of weeks, as we've been talking in chat and here uh, preparing and, and doing rehearsals for this podcast, I could just hear how much you love the sport. And how excited you are that Woodbine is reopening and you're getting back into the mix, so, you know, physically back into the mix, even though your head's still been in it for the two years. But it's amazing. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's we were I was glad that um, that we made it through the season, because, as you know, uh, the virus shut everything down in January. Right. So we were literally locked down again for six weeks at the start this year. And it was just looking really, really bleak. And, you know, we were all just, everybody's tired and frustrated. And the backstretch opens at the end of February. So when you have all that hesitation with, um, you know, are we going to open on time or are we not? Are we, you know, it's just, just to have that, we're opening on time, the season is a go, let's go. Like, I'm yeah. just happy for everyone. Backstretch, trainers, owners, everyone. It's a sense of normalcy that they haven't got to have and they get to have it. So it's just gonna be, it's just gonna be a great day. It's gonna be a great weekend. That's awesome. So I think we're pretty clear, Mary, on what Sherry's favorite track is. What's your favorite track? And oh, Sherry, you get a correct assumption. I'm sorry. <laughs> Was that a correct assumption, Sherry? That would buy well, you know what? It's the one that I get to attend the most. Got it. Okay. It- but I do because it has a tapita surface. I also like dirt tracks as well. So got it. Uh, okay. All right. I will say that Woodbine is is my home track. I'm going to put it that way. Perfect. All <laughs> right, Mary. What's your home track? Home track has to be Saratoga. Uh, there have been several beautiful tracks that I've been to, um, but one of them that's on my bucket list right now is Santa Anita. And judging by your virtual background, is that maybe your favorite? Yes, Santa Anita is my home track for sure. If when you're ready to come out here, let me know. I'll meet you out there in a heartbeat. Sherry, you too. I've been there. I've been there a few times. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. How far are you away from? Sorry. How far are you away from Santa Anita? I'm only about three and a half hours. It's an easy. Yeah. I, I was just out in Vegas like a month ago or maybe not even a month ago. I'm sorry. It was, it was a couple of days. It was my mother's um, birthday. No, that's fine. But that must've been just before we started talking about doing this as a group. It, it was probably that week. I think it was, we were talking about this on a Tuesday and I was out there from like Thursday to Sunday. And uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, what is the closest track to here? It's a beautiful place. It really is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It really is. It's my Disneyland. I love it so much. And I was fortunate enough to see Zenyatta there <gasps> at the Breeders' Club. Yeah. Kidding. Yeah. I've actually wow. been very lucky. I've traveled around to quite a few tracks. So that's why it's hard for me to say what my favorite one is, because I think there is a difference between home and favorite. 
Yeah, agreed. Right. Uh, and so you were in Del Mar for this past Breeders' Cup, right? Yes. Yep. And I, I was saw- at the Breeders' Cup before that at Del Mar as well. So I saw the, yeah. needed, they both have a very different feel to them. So, you know, and just, and so does Saratoga and so does Arlington. And, you know, like that's, that's one good thing that I'm very fortunate about is that horse racing has taken me to places that I probably would have never been otherwise. You know, that's another great positive. And that's a good way to meet people on Twitter as well. And, and, you know, really get to have the conversations and everybody's there for the same reason. So. And I think it was just a week ago, maybe a week ago tomorrow. um, You posted a video of Echo Zulu winning. Yes. Juvenile Phillies um, last year at Del Mar for Breeders' Cup. Uh, Is she your pick for the Oaks? Is she kind of what you see as the top runner, or there's someone else in mind? I, th- you know what, I think I'm, I'm I'm more excited for the Oaks this year than probably any other year that I have been. I uh, I find the field is very very deep, and uh, I I she was she was like I, she was brilliant in in the juvenile. Like that was like she gave me goosebumps. I love it when you watch those races and they just give you the goosebumps and they they're in your memory bank. Um, I, I didn't mind her race at fairgrounds. I think she needed that one. They had to get a start into her somewhere. I do think that she's brilliant. Um, I'm hoping that that was enough uh, because nest has, has nest was great. Like there's, there's going to, that field is packed. That field is jam packed. And once, once I take a better look at it, I kind of need to do some thinking. I find now that all the preps are kind of over and stuff like that. I like to take this next three weeks and just kind of digest everything that I've, that I've seen. Um, and because I do think this is, this is just such a deep Oaks field. I think it's going to be such an, I think it's going to be an epic race. I really do. I'm probably going to spend more time handicapping the Oaks than I will the actual Kentucky Derby this year, because I think the talent is just so deep and I love it. But for now, I would say I'm still on Echo Zulu at this time. Yeah. I love Echo Zulu. And I, I will say too, last year I had far more success handicapping Oaks Day than I did the Derby. I I don't know what it was, but there's something about the Phillies. I just, I love the, everything about that race and, and the entire day, you know, just basically was, was so nice. And it was a good experience to have, because I think that was the first time I had attempted to handicap, um, you know, both those days. So Well, it's and it's different. The Oaks, right? It's not the point system, and it's not. You know what I mean? Like you got the best of the best in there. You know, Kathleen O and Secret Oath, and you know, like it it is just a loaded, loaded field. And as we know, kind of like last year's Derby was a little bit different with payouts, but the Derby's been pretty formful the last few years. And I don't, I don't know for like for myself, that kind of takes away a little bit of the chutzpah, right? So. I don't know. Maybe this year we're going to start, we're going to see the prices. Cause I don't think, I thought Echo Zulu would be pretty low prices here. I do not think that anymore. I think that, you know, the, 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 I think three to one is what you're going to be looking at for a favorite. And like I said, with that packed field, I think it's going to be an absolutely solid race. So Mary, as you, you begin, or if you've already begun prepping, for the Derby and, and, you know, those great races coming up, what, what are your go-to resources? What are you using to help you handicap? Well, first of all, I'm letting you know, I can't, I can't show it this week, 
Um, but I'll be done with it soon. I bought all these like fake roses because I kept my Christmas tree up for no apparent reason. But I I'm decorating the tree with roses and it's going to be a little derby tree. Oh, um, so cool. You'll have to post it on uh, on Twitter. I will definitely post it on Twitter. Uh, my main resource is daily racing forms. Um, I just try to read through those and, and see what I'm liking. But I also like to look at replays. And I've, I've already seen a lot of the horses. Um, I've seen a lot of the horses run and, and kind of have that those memories kind of in, in my brain of how they ran or just thinking about um, what people said about them after the race. Um, and I think the Derby is so wide open this year, in my opinion, because I feel like the top two with Derby points right now um, are Epicenter and Mandan. Um, those aren't necessarily my two top picks, um, but I am really excited to see what horses can come out on top and what horses, what the prices are going to be like that day. I think, you know, like Cherry was saying, I don't think Echo Zulu is going to be the favorite, maybe. Um, she could be, but um, I think there's a lot of great horses. And after Ness' performance on Friday, yeah, it was Friday, um, she was four wide going into the turn and, and just made a really commanding effort. And um, she's a beast. She's definitely a beast. And she's just going to get better, right? Like, that's. Oh, yeah. that's Scary thing is she's just going to get better with that pedigree. So that was, to me, visually, that was very, very impressive. And one thing that uh, I I don't know who I'm talking to, um, but when you handicap, do you guys just look at the horses? Do you look at the, the trainer and the jockey too? Because I think sometimes that can be a component, but also um, I feel like there's a lot of superstition to break. For example, um, Epicenter is Diaspers and Hearts, um, who has never won a derby in, I think, his 21 or 23 tries of winning a derby. He is 0 for 21 or 23. I can't remember off the top of my head um, that number, but it's somewhere in that realm. 21. Thank you. Um, so do you think about that when you say, I want Epicenter to win, or if you're even thinking Epicenter? I... I definitely uh, look at the jockey and I look at the trainer. Uh, that's just something that Benny uh, and Gorgo have been training me to do, that it's not enough to just look at the horse. You also have to look at the jockey who's going to be riding the horse and you need to look and understand the trainer and the trainer's methodology, you know, good or bad, whatever's going on. Um, so I definitely look, look at that. And I also use um, the daily racing form. Uh, but I print them without or before they put the prices, they put the, the morning line on there because I'm afraid that that morning line will overly influence my understanding of the other aspects that I'm also weighing against each other. So I, I look at jockey trainer and I look at the past performances. Uh, are they, you know, getting better? Are they on a, you know, downward spiral or something did the jockey fall off what's going on you know and working with trip note pros obviously i'm also looking um at replays and and benny south streets and and his author crew their their trip notes and i found you know a modicum of success with those resources how about you sherry well i am 100 percent different than you guys completely <laughs> And this is where, so see, this is where kind of my history will come into play, right? Um, 
I, I, over the years, I've kind of formulated my own system because it's what works for me. And, and kind of that's what I've done with my handicapping right from when I started is I've made a lot of notes and I, I just set up a whole system for myself. So the first thing I do is block everybody out. I don't listen to what anybody else has to say. I don't listen to anybody's podcast. I don't read anything. I don't do anything. I block everybody completely out. I print out the PPs, usually about three sets, and I tape them up all over my house. And I have a highlighter. And I kind of just every every few minutes or half an hour, whenever I have some time, I just kind of sit and I look at them. I don't look at post positions. I don't look at, at odds. I don't look at anything. I just kind of try to, and then I try to remember what the race was like. And then if I have questions then I'll go back and watch a replay, but I just, I just shut everything out for that, for that whole week. And I just look at the PPs myself. I try to formulate my tickets because I find too much information sometimes really is, is a downfall. And and I've, I've tried to learn to trust myself as opposed to trying to rely on anybody else. And that's just kind of what I've found works for me because I know how to read the PPs. I, you know, again, like there, there are other things for sure that I could learn from, but when it comes to any big race like this, Breeders' Cup, I do the same thing. I just completely tune everybody out and I try to trust myself so that if I have a losing ticket, it's, it's my bad. I lost. It wasn't because somebody told me to bet this or bet that or anything. And that's just, that's just kind of how I've individualized my betting process. Then, hmm. kind of a another question, and I, I know we're wrapping up soon. But um, so, what has been your best bet, and what was your worst bet? If you feel comfortable sharing those, both of you. Ooh. best bet was perfect. Cheryl in the Breeders' Cup, I believe she was twenty-eight to one. I think that day, I, I, I remember telling because because she's a woodbine-based horse. Mm-hmm. And I always get that you don't be a homer. You can't bet woodbine horses just because you woodbine, blah, blah, blah. I watched all of her races and I listened to what the trainer said before, before her race. And I was like, she's going to win. She's going to win. And this is the first time that I bet win place. I singled her in my pick four, my pick five, and I wheeled her in the race. And it was the best breeders cup I've ever had. Nice. All right, then tell us about the worst. <laughs> My worst bet is way too many to count. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, same here, pretty much. I think all we right. all, I think over this span of time, I mean, there's been so many of them, but I, I, I tend to just have a, a, not a photographic memory, but what's the opposite? Yeah, you just dump <laughs> I it. I forget yeah. about those ones, because if I dwell on that, then, you know, I just learned why I, that was a bad bet, and then I move forward. <laughs> How about you, I can't take credit completely for this grand bet, but my mother's always playing 10-11s since I can remember. Just her number is 10-11. And for some reason, she was like, I'm going to play a 10-11 in the Breeders' Cup Distaff um, this past year. Um, And I think Latrusta was like post position six. And I'm like, Latrusta is blowing this field away. Um, There's there's no way 10-11 is coming in. Um, but 10-11 did come in and it was March Lorraine and Dunbar Road um, and the exacta it was like a one dollar exacta she put on but it was like over five hundred dollars um, okay so you just reminded me what my worst bet was and I bet Dunbar Road to win thank you very much and I lost my <laughs> nose 
And Marsh Lorraine scooped me. <laughs> There's my worst dress. <laughs> the reason also she really liked the 10 horse is she's always coming up with like word association stuff. Um, and like kind of like that, that horse name handicapping. And she was born in March and her mother's middle name was, was Lorraine. Um, and she's like, it's a sign. It's a sign. Um, and it, it paid off in her favor. And that's the one out of hundreds of times she's been at 1011 um, that has actually come in. I'm going to go yeah. cry now that I, have to have, that I have to relive that again and that nose loss. <laughs> uh, one of the worst bets I made was a really dumb decision on my part. Um, but I bet Nashville, um, whenever he came back at Oakland, maybe like four or five months ago, um, okay. and he was going off like one to nine. It, it had to have been before December. So I was telling someone in December, I bet Nashville, and he was like, what were you thinking? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. made on that like 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so my best bet was the first time I, I made a bet. Uh, I think it was Sunday, this past Sunday. And I've only made actual bets like half a dozen times because I'm in a tax bracket that doesn't allow me to do that often uh, and still pay my bills. So I'm, I'm trying to be responsible, right? <laughs> so I put down my $2 win place or whatever it was on a lobby in race two at Santa Anita on Sunday. And, you know, Santa Anita, say what you will about it. It it can be chalky at times, but, um, it was, it was a nice little bomb for me. It, it showed me that winning that bet when I only won, I think two or three bucks on it, but I'm going to die with that ticket in my pocket. Um, it showed me that I'm learning because I, I didn't go for the chalk. I went for a horse I thought maybe had a better chance than the chalk. And so it was more of a, a positive learning experience. And um, my first bet is one that Gorgo will probably say is my best, which is aquaphobia. Every time I bet that damn horse, it lets me down like a redheaded stepchild. No offense, Carson, but <laughs> it just lets me down every time. So I, I don't even, whenever I see aquaphobia in a race, I'm like, no. I'm resisting the urge. So, I, and you know what you'll find as you keep going, that's mm-hmm. going to happen. You're going to have a love hate with many horses, many jockeys, many trainers. That's all part of the game, but there's first nothing better than that first winning feeling. Yeah. So good for yeah. you. That's, that's a really, that's a really awesome story. And I hope yeah, you're I love it. I'm so excited. I hope you're really proud of yourself. I am like, I, it was a choice I made on my own. I'm just, I was so excited. And our producer is getting antsy. So, uh, no, <laughs> but okay. So before we leave, if there's anything you guys would like us to talk about on the podcast, reach out via Twitter. I think our DMS are open. It's the X factor racing, I believe on Twitter. Uh, if not, it's just X factor racing on Twitter. I'll, I'll have that memorized by next time. But, uh, and, you know, follow us on Twitter. Ladies, do you want to give out your Twitter handles? I'm Sherry at Go Philly. I'm Mary and I'm at Miss Mary, or sorry, I'm Mary and I'm at Miss Mary Rufo. And I am in Quarimparo at the Mad Fat Teacher. Remember, there's also Caitlin Free. There is Rogue Wolf uh, 007. 
Um, so follow us and let us know what you want to hear. We'll have a guest next week. So we're excited. Ladies, you have anything you want to say before we leave? Thank you mm-hmm. for listening. And I'm very excited to continue on the podcast. Same here. Thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Yeah.